Racing Enthusiasts, it is Sunday, September 23rd, and you are locked into the weekend run-in as presented by the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am the art and the beat of the V, Rick Vickery, and I am here once again. I am being joined by my very good friend, Mr. Prodigy, Kevin Mize. Mize, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Rick. Back in the saddle once again. Here we are with the weekend run-in. We had a couple technical difficulties here in the past. I just got done spiking my computer recently as well, so I had to go out and purchase a new one of those. But it's good to be back, and we are taking off with the weekend running. Hey, you know, we can't be stopped, and we are rolling on, and we are we are rolling on in style because we are not alone on this week's episode. We have a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him all too well. He is the El Capitan, one Michael Jargo. Welcome in, sir. Well, you know, Huckleberry told me that they were having technical difficulties, and it was like, hey, can you come produce a show for me? And I was like, yeah, why the hell not? I've been awake for 45 minutes. You got it. So I am here to uh, produce you Huckleberry's show and uh, make sure that the weekend run-in goes off as scheduled. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, George. You know, it, even better than that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of reached out to you yesterday about helping us out here, but it just wasn't until about uh, record time that I said, "Hey, why don't you just jump in with us? We got some great topics. Uh, I know you've got some hot takes on them." But I, I really loved your answer even before I said, "Hey, could you help with a show?" And you come back with, "Sure thing, no problem." Oh, by the way, what the hell show? What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a content junkie, man. You want to do a show about anything, if I can even fake my way through it, I'm your Huckleberry. There we go. As Jargo, as you know, here on the run-in, everything, it's kind of short and sweet. We try to get everything in in a half hour. But speaking of sweet, Mize, I have to talk to you about this. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a couple days. Big news from the homestead, Northern Ohio. It's happened a couple days ago, but I know the party is still rolling on. The Cleveland Browns capture their first victory in nearly two years, and they do it prime time under the bright lights of Thursday night football. What's the vibe like at home, and how are you feeling as a lifelong fan? You know what? For the first time in 600-plus days, we have something positive to talk about during football season. The Browns pick up their first win and the places everywhere I walk into whatever bar restaurant into work we we won the Super Bowl and it's a big thanks to the man who got put in at quarterback in the uh, second quarter of this game well I was gonna say you know Baker Mayfield not he is two and oh in games in the state of Ohio, you know, going back to that big win for Oklahoma last year against Ohio State, I think everyone was beginning to feel and see the magic then. Now, I'm going to come back to you on this, Mize, but I, I want to go to Jargo real quick because, you know, Jargo and I, we talk we talk the entire league, the entire NFL on a weekly basis over in the locker room and on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. But there is a big question, a burning question going on right now in Cleveland. Do you stick with Baker Mayfield or is this still Tyrod Taylor's team? Don't be the Browns. Don't pull a Cleveland Browns decision here. You stick with Baker Mayfield. This is not even a conversation to be had. Baker Mayfield is the man. Uh, Mize, your thoughts on this thing? You know, I was thinking about this uh, here in, before the weekend run-in, and I kind of compare this to the Cleveland Indians a few years back. We had a veteran at third base named Juan Arebe. And he got replaced with 
Jose Ramirez and you just took off to the races at that point. Jose Ramirez at that right now today is damn near an MVP caliber player. Get rid of the old, keep on riding. You got this momentum going. Why would you not step away from uh, Baker Mayfield at this point? You know, I, I want to go just devil devil's advocate here on you guys. I know you're, you're kind of saying, don't be the Browns to me throwing everything, changing your direction, changing course right now is exactly what the Browns would do. You had that great moment with Mayfield. He, he came in, the the energy was there. You could tell, you know, kind of the attitude, the entire vibe around the team had changed for a moment. But, hey, it's not like Taylor was playing bad. You know, he's got a 70% completion percentage. He's moving them. He's making big plays when they need him to. I think right now if, if you – if you run Mayfield out there, you're running the risk of overexposing him too early when you had decided to let him sit and let him learn. I'm not, I don't think it's going to be the worst decision they could ever make, but I would be inclined to try to lean towards remaining with Taylor. And then if need be, then you always know you got Mayfield there ready to go, especially this. I mean, he's got he, – Mayfield goes on Thursday. That other team essentially has 10 days to get ready for him for that next game because they're going to have their assistance – already looking at tape, preparing for them. I would say in any case, I know the Browns said they were going to announce uh, who the starter is on Monday. I, to me, I think it should be a game-time decision. Keep that next opponent on their toes to if it is going to be Mayfield to give him the you know, the advantage going into things so that they don't have time to, to find out those flaws and overexpose him. I think everything you just said applies if the roles are reversed. If Baker Mayfield was the starter and Tyrod comes in off the bench as the well-seasoned vet who goes in and picks up the win, I'm with you. I'm completely with you. But Baker Mayfield is not only a rookie quarterback, he's also the number one pick. He is obviously the future. If you don't send him out there, what message are you sending to Baker Mayfield? And you end up with a Colt McCoy situation. What what you're sending to him is, hey, that was awesome, man. You had that flash. You got that taste. But, hey, you need – let's be patient here. We've decided we're going to let you sit for the time being until we know that it it, it is a must. Or, you know, it's next year when you actually take this team over. You've got people excited. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Kevin, anything else you'd like to add on this? Last thing I just want to add. I mean, I know they beat – uh, the New York football jets, <laughs> but, uh, they play the Raiders this week. What better way to keep that confidence going for Baker Mayfield by playing a team that has a really bad defense right now and just keep the train rolling. I believe week five, they play Baltimore. So why not? Well, I, I guess I could be inclined cause that is in Oakland, correct? Yeah, I am. Um, I believe so. So you're, you're essentially, you're kind of sending him home for a little bit. I could see where that could play into because he is a West Coast kid there where that could play into, you know, maybe easing those nerves. Uh, But any road game is a dangerous situation for any young player. I'll even take it one step further. There are teams out there right now today looking for quarterbacks. I not only would keep with Baker Mayfield, I would trade Tyrod Taylor immediately. But Myers, who is who's the who else then who would fill into that backup role if you lost Taylor? Drew Stanton. Potentially, I'd go with that. There we go. Hey, 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 in any case, it is going to be very interesting to see uh, which direction they go. And and if Cleveland can kind of keep this momentum going, uh, they've got some soft games coming up. We're going to see if they can pick up some uh, some much needed and hopefully easy wins. Uh, but we were talking about 
you know, a trip out west. Let's talk about a bigger road trip. And that is WWE going uh, the other side of the world here as they head to Australia. Uh, maybe the biggest news about this event that we've seen over the weekend, the company responsible for promoting that super show, they released a tweet of an image showing Stone Cold Steve Austin in a guest referee role, uh, obviously in the bout between Triple H and Undertaker. Now, that has since been pulled. It, it only lasted, I, I think it was not even up for an hour before they pulled this thing, but fans were, were quick to screenshot it. it. It spread around the internet, and it seems like the majority of the internet wrestling community, they seem kind of upset about this. It's something, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise of reaction to the possibility of a, a Stone Cold appearance, but it, it seems that the fans are thinking this, this use of the legends is becoming a bit too much. Jargo, I'm going to let you start this one off. Well, let's see. We're on Universe 3 now. If you go back to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, we discussed the WWE Multiverse on Friday's episode. This is Universe 3, where Stone Cold Steve Austin would be a guest referee. I think people are upset. If we're going to get Stone Cold back, we don't want him in a referee role, right? Well, I mean, what, what else are you going to have him in? Well, there, there's talks out of Saudi Arabia that the Saudi Arabian government is willing to offer Stone Cold Steve Austin $20 million to have a tag match. I, I think you know, that's uh, – was that for a tag match? Because I was reading that they had offered the $20 million if Rock would come in as champion and wrestle a match. I Regardless, the, the reality of the matter is – People are calling the shots here that are not the WWE, and that is a very, very dangerous place to put your product in. Well, I was going to say, and they especially, I guess, you know, when money talks, because obviously they don't listen to the other fans. I guess this goes back to Stephanie's comment at that women's, you know, women in sports movement conference. She was at, we listen to our fans. I guess what was left off was dot, 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 that have millions of dollars. Yeah, I agree. Kevin Mize, uh, did, did this announcement or this teaser of Stone Cold, did, did it pop you in any way? Um, you know what? I was sitting getting ready to watch the Buckeyes when I saw this dropped. And I agree with Jargo a lot about you can't let other people run your company, especially when you're a billionaire named Vince McMahon. I did get excited because I think this thing should main event Super Show in Australia I think it would be a lot of fun for people watching at home, but this is such a big show for uh, the Australian audience, and I think this is kind of a good way to end the night. I don't think this is the main event. Do you, Rick? Well, I was going to say, I, you know, that is a good question. I didn't. I haven't really kind of thought about where this is going to fall on this card. Roman must pose. I, I was going to say it kind of goes back, but you got him in a six. Six person tag there, six man tag. I actually think, I, I think Triple H is going to place this thing in the main event. Uh, and even above Roman pose, Roman must pose. It's going to be Triple H's moment. I will retract because I had my my dirty overseas money shows confused. I was thinking that this was the triple threat. You're right. This is the six man. Yeah, this is your main event. Yeah. Now, and when we get to Saudi Arabia, yeah, definitely the universal triple threat will close that show. Uh, but Kevin, you know, just to speak to the overall point here real quick, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I was excited too when I saw, saw Stone Cold and I'm not, I'm not really harping on this match as, as much as other friends because I understand what it is. It is just a special attraction at a special attraction show. But do you think that we're getting to the point where they are they're relying too much and overusing these stars just in general? 
Oh, I, I've been saying you and I have had this conversation a lot, you know, sitting out Rick and, um, they definitely are. And it's a damn shame that we have to go to, uh, talent from the nineties to get 2018's product to put on a show like this, because why haven't we built those guys other than John Cena in the past 20 years or whatever it's been. And I, it's just, it's depressing that here's this company that's so successful and we have to watch people that are in their fifties go out there and entertain us. The scary part is, is when you go to the era after the attitude era, the ruthless aggression era, the only one left is Cena. What are we going to do in seven, eight years? Well, I, you know, I think there is a little bit more outside of Cena because we've just, we've just seen them re-sign Rey Mysterio, which is another name that kind of, you know, it spreads through that 90s to the ruthless aggression. You also still have a Jericho out there. There are a few names like that, but you are correct. You know, they are that pool that you can choose from is, is growing very thin. But ultimately, you know, I, and I've spoken to both you guys about this and, and the listeners out there know where I stand on this. Hey, this is all about brand awareness. And as soon as they really WWE themselves got picked up on brand awareness and buzzwords and how to you know promote your, your individual brand, it was brand above all. They have no interest in creating individual stars. It's WWE or bust unless your name's McMahon. And that McMahon protection is mainly placed there just, just to make sure that, that that family name has value after an eventual sale of the company. Yeah, agreed. I think I think that sale comes sooner than later. I, I do too, because hey, that we're quickly approaching uh, that hundred dollar stock price, uh, which I've been following very closely, and especially you know going not to go all the way back to get into a football conversation, but it, always, it shocked me that WWE is worth more on that stock market than Nike has ever been, uh, and to me that says you know they know how to play that game very well, as much as the fans might not like that. But you know, let's stay on the, the topic of fans here. Uh, we had a fan take to Twitter and and pretty much call out Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Uh, I guess I guess her father had had a run in with these guys in a supermarket. Let me pull these up here. Uh, this comes from uh, her name is Veronica, and you know what? I'm just going to even put it out there. It's at these Twitter V E E S T W T R. Uh, what she had to say here, the, the first week my dad saw at Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins uh, at a grocery store the other night, and he said they were total dickheads, hashtag shocker. Um, she then went on to, uh, just to kind of paraphrase here, she said as he was taking pictures, Roman said, I'm not a caged animal. Please put your phone away. They refused to do autographs and pose for pictures. But then she went on to put over Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss, who they also saw as being very nice and friendly when approached by these fans. I got I got two. It's a two part question I, I want to ask you guys. And Kevin, I'm going to start with you. I mean, how should talents handle themselves in public? And then and then if you could speak to, you know, your thoughts on fans who take to social media to try to slam these wrestlers. Um, you know what? I've met Seth Rollins before, of course, at a access, which is a total situation. But um, if you're out and about and you're shopping or you're at the airport and everything, I believe these guys need to be given the proper respect that you would want in return. You know, why can't people just have a normal day to day life? I understand you're an entertainer, but do you want to be that guy? And the way the uh, for this situation, Roman and Rollins reacted, 
I think it's a hundred percent accurate. I think what they did is how any person would respond. Well, and I also add because they have the photos in here of the individuals, and it, from telling in the background, you kind of zoom in, you can see the the windows of the store, and it looks like it is uh, the sun has set. So this is later in the evening. These guys are probably tired. They want to grab something to go and relax. And you've got these fans up in their face. You got to think about all the traveling these guys are doing and just one moment to do something normal and grab some bugles and a can of Sprite. And you got someone instantly seeing a familiar face and they got to get themselves over by getting a picture, getting their two cents out of these people and just let them be. Look at you, uh, brand dropping fucking bugles, man. That's a throwback. That is a throwback. Now, now, Lies, what do you what do you think about you know the fans who take the liberties to head to social media to try to, to call these guys out for something like this? I think they're just a bunch of crybabies. I mean, these are a bunch of entitled little kids these days that think that people should just bend over because they saw them at the local IGA and you know they want to have a picture. No they should return and respond and tell you to bleep off. And I just want to live a life. Miles, what you got on this? You were just I talking mean, uh, Jargo, 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 I'm sorry. Jargo, what you got on this? Excuse me. I agree with everything that both of you guys have said. Obviously, Rick, you and I have had this conversation many times. But I, I think the biggest thing here is tact. You know, normally, if you are really, really nice to these guys, you catch them in the right situation. They're happy to take a picture. They're happy to sign an autograph for you. But we don't know how this lady approached these guys. The problem is we have a group of entitled fans right now who can't separate Seth Rollins from Colby Lopez. And when you run into Colby Lopez, Colby Lopez is kind of a dick. If you want to run into Seth Rollins, pay for the fucking meet and greet. That's just how I feel about it. I, these guys are not their characters 24-7 anymore. For God's sake, Dale Curtis goes off about this in the Hami Media Discussion Group constantly. They're not their characters full-time anymore. And if you approach them as an entitled fan who just expects them to drop everything that they are doing and have a conversation with you and take pictures and sign autographs and, oh, thank you so much and wish you on your way, you're going to be disappointed. There's a time and a place. On a quick side note, there's nothing worse than going to one of those meet and greets and the guy's a complete dick when you're paying $10 for his autograph. Completely different situation. <laughs> completely different situation. Unless it's a heel wrestler, in which case you deserved it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, even, you know, up in Chicago, the three of us were there. But it, it happened following StarCast one evening. Uh, Jargo and I stopped by a, a local gas station. We just wanted to get some drinks and some snacks before we went back to the room to do some editing on on some audio and some graphics that we had captured that afternoon. And lo and behold, as we're in the gas station there, we're actually, actually we were the ones that were kind of inconvenienced uh, because Raven happened to be in the store and you could tell it was, it was one of those times you could just tell by his body language and you could just tell he was exhausted from the long day that he had. It is when we passed him in the aisle, it was just, hello, sir. You know, there was no mention of why any of us were there, you know, just let him be on his way. But it, 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 is a, it is a hilarious story. So if anybody wants to go back and find that one in the archives of the, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast about 
uh, his peculiar his peculiar uh, purchasing habits in the store is what we'll call but, him, Jargo. But you know what didn't help though is we were still wearing our media credentials, so I think Raven kind of expected us to approach him. You know, and he was just like, "Oh God, I can't get away from these fucking marks." And I think he was pleasantly surprised and put on a little bit of a show for us too. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that there. Yeah. Cause you could tell, cause he, he did look at our tags a couple of times and he was probably expecting uh, for one of us to try to engage a conversation with him. But at this point, Hey, he's tired. We were tired as hell. We got the hell out of there. Hell, I, when we were at the bar one day, uh, you were out there uh, chasing down interviews and I went back over to, you know, to get things up and going on social media. And as I'm sitting there at the bar, um, Mr. Bischoff comes in and he had just been on our show that week. But I had noticed other individuals walking up to him and he just came off three stage shows. He was a very busy man that weekend. He sits down at the bar and he orders his beer and he starts trying to talk about what's on the television. It was a college football show. And all these other people keep rushing up to him. Oh, remember this NWO thing in 97? You could just tell this look on his face. He just wanted to get the hell away. So as soon as a chair opened up, I slid right in there. I did not didn't mention professional wrestling whatsoever. I just started talking about the top 10 in college football, what he thought of the rankings and who he thought was going to make the playoffs and the national championship and so on. Hey, we ended up there. We, we had a beer. He was so appreciative of it. He picked up my beer, he, you know, picked up the bill there and then went on his way. I mean, that that's how they want to be treated. Even, even when in an environment like that, where they know they're surrounded with it, you got to respect them and let them step away for a little bit. Mize, anything you want to add before we uh, jump into the next one? Uh, it's all of you. Jargo, anything there on the fans? Leave people alone. We don't like talking. I mean, they don't like talking to you. Hey, all right. So so this, this last big topic, man, this is a hot one. Uh, you know, we were already in Australia, so let's go back around the world here. Chaos is in chaos. Now, Jargo, I, I know... You weren't really prepared for this one, but you do such a better job of kind of detailing what went down at that event. Can can you jump in and and kind of just lay out what we saw here? Okay, so I watched this show again last night because this is just so freaking good. So you have, number one, the four-year story of Tanahashi can't beat Okada. I think we all kind of expected Tanahashi to finally beat the Rainmaker here, but boy, the post-match angle and the match that led up to it was well worth it. I've, I've, after watching it for like the third time, I've got this at four and three-quarter stars. That's my personal rating for this match. It was really, really freaking good. After the match, Tanahashi is celebrating with his IWGP Heavyweight Championship contract and the switchblade comes out, hits a Blade Runner, and Tanahashi plays dead for the rest of this segment. After he lays out Tanahashi, which we all kind of expected because Jay White beat Tanahashi in the G1, he is owed a match for the briefcase, but then Jay White turns his attention to the leader of chaos, the Rainmaker, the longest reigning IWGP heavyweight champion in history, Kazuchika Okada, and starts laying the frickin' boots to him. Jay White goes out of the ring, goes over to the commentary table where fellow Chaos member Rocky Romero is doing commentary. He tosses Rocky Romero into the barricade, grabs Romero's chair, 
gets back into the ring, outruns Yoshihashi, who who evidently wants to join Titus World Slide. This injury is freaking nasty. If you haven't seen pictures of it yet, uh, evidently uh, Yoshihashi, the Bon Jovi of New Japan Pro Wrestling, is in the hospital with a concussion and under further observations. Evidently, he hit his head when he slid under the ring, unlike Titus. Yoshihashi comes up a bloody mess. Gets in the ring, tries to go after Jay White. He eats a chair for his troubles. I, I mean, you could tell Yoshihashi has no idea what the hell is going on once he gets back in that ring. Jay White just takes the chair and chucks it at him. He goes back to work on Okada again, and out comes Gato, who has been by Okada's side for all of his big matches through his historic title reign when he broke all the, these records. And he stops Jay White from attacking Okada. And Okada gets to his feet and him, him and Jay White get into it a little bit in the middle of the ring. And then Gato blasts that motherfucker in the back with a chair. Which, it, it, he was supposed to blast the motherfucker. It was supposed to be like the Seth Rollins chair shot when he betrayed the shield. But this is like the worst looking chair shot that you're ever going to see in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Down goes the Rainmaker eats a blade runner and Gato has aligned himself with the switchblade chaos is in chaos and Tamatonga thinks it's fucking hilarious so, so we got the big happenings chaos and chaos uh Kevin Mize I know that you are a huge fan of the switchblade what did you make of all this well real quick I want to ask Jargo I couldn't hear much of the audio, but from your watching it several times, what was uh, the crowd's reaction when Jay White did what he did? Well, this is one of those things where I think pro wrestling is at its best when you want one guy to win and you want one guy to lose. Okada has kind of become this heel, almost Roman Reigns like figure. And people have really started to turn on Okada and clearly in the Tanahashi match, Okada was working heel. The way I took this is this is a heel turn for Gato and you get the audible <gasps> out of the Japanese crowd, because that's about all you're going to get. I think this was a clear babyface turn for Okada, a clear heel turn for Gato, and Switchblade was already a dickhead. But I love it. I think uh, Jay White is incredibly amazing. I think any company he goes to, um, you could hitch your wagon to him, and he could be the face instantly. I think this puts him just one step higher up on New Japan's roster, their rankings and um i think in give it about six months and we're gonna see jay white kenny omega for that strap and we're looking at possibly the new future and where they're gonna run with for many years to come with jay white well let me ask you this mice do you think there's any chance in hell that jay white just flat out beats tanahashi and you end up with that match in the dome january 4th Yeah, I think that's possibly where they're heading. It seems like when Jay White came back from injury that they've just, they believe in something with this guy and bringing in the whole switchblade gimmick. I think just in case if anybody leaves, that's another topic, but in case they're really backing this guy up and I could see him taking that briefcase and um, 
it's going to be, uh, what is it this year? Russell Kingdom 13. Yep. It'll be Switchblade versus the best about the machine. Uh, Jargo, funny story here. Uh, when, cause you know, it is taking, it's taken me a while to even kind of warm up a little bit to Switchblade. We were having a hell of a time buying into him when they introduced that character. And we realized the push he was going on. Mize has been, Mize has been all about him since the, you know, since returning with that gimmick. And actually the first night when he was praising Switchblade, like you would not believe, I, I kind of, I, I threw back my shot and I sat it down and I said, Kevin, that's why we don't do a fucking show together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And now, and now and now here we are here we are i think if kenny omega leaves new japan pro wrestling i think that by default will make switchblade jay white the biggest gaijin in new japan i think he will fill that role and be that evil dirty gaijin for years and years to come inside of new japan pro wrestling I still feel, I, I, and I guess for me it's weird because I watched him as a young lion. I watched him on excursion at Ring of Honor, and he is the epitome of a white meat baby face. And then he goes back to Japan after excursion, and they debut this Switchblade character, and I've just never connected with this character. I still feel like this character would have been perfect for y'all's boy sammy callahan that's who should be rocking the switchblade gimmick but for jay white i just i don't buy him as this character yet he still feels very introverted to me and maybe that's the uniqueness of the character but i i I just feel this disconnect between him and the fans themselves like you know when, when jay white was laying the boots to okada yeah the crowd cared, but they didn't care nearly as much as when Gato blasted Okada in the back with a chair. Like, that was a real betrayal. That meant something. But Jay White, it's just, it's not connecting with the fan base for some reason. And I think it's just because of how he was presented during his excursion and when he was a young lion over in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, Mize, let, let me uh, let me go back to Wrestle Kingdom with you here real quick. You know, you're talking about the possibility uh, of Jay White and Omega, you know, to me, I just don't know if if the Japanese audience is going to be very welcoming uh, to to essentially, you know, two white faces represent you know representing their biggest show and the main event for their championship. But there is the other possibility. You know, this is just going to keep going towards where Okada and White. That's going to be a huge collision for the dome. Now, Mize, could you see and how big would it be if they gave White the nod to go over Okada? To have the guy who main evented Wrestle Kingdom two years in a row, I believe. And now Six. he gets the... Six years. <laughs> I mean, the only reason I would... Not to get off topic here. The only reason I would love to see Omega and Jay White is because we've kind of seen the seed get planted last year. I think it was the day after New Wrestle Year's Kingdom Cash. when when he invited him to join the bullet club, he put on the shirt place was loving it. And then boom, clotheslined him, not having it. But to go back to what you're saying, Rick, it would be insane because the connections that Okada has with new Japan, his title reign. And now you're going to say all of a sudden that 
Jay White, you're going over. I mean, I love it, but I would be totally surprised if Okada would lose against Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom. Jargo, your thoughts on that uh, potentially as an outcome of a match between those two? I think Jay White goes over. And then I think Tanahashi goes over. And I think you see the ace pick up the Rainmaker and they align themselves together against Chaos because I think Kenny Omega is leaving in January. There we go. And then that doesn't, and for anyone out there listening, that doesn't mean he thinks he's going to, to WWE because Jargo has been pushing that they might be a huge player in this, this resurgence of the NWA as well. Yep, that's where I'm at. I, I think I'm I'm after watching the latest ten pounds of gold and listening to Cody talk about the NWA and what the NWA means to him and him wanting to rejuvenate the legacy that is the NWA after what he did it all in, I think Cody is chasing ghosts and he's not gonna be happy being just a wrestler anywhere else. And the rest of that group, the golden elite are crazy enough that they want to change the world. And uh, I I think you are actually seeing the shift. We saw the storyline last year, and now I think real life is starting to mirror it. Cody Rhodes is becoming the leader of the Bullet Club, kind of by de facto business sense. Here we are, Kevin. Kevin Mize, any closing thoughts on this subject? You know what? We have just a couple hours left for the Cleveland fans to enjoy having a better record than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. So everybody sit back and drink that in, man. But you can check me out at Facebook or Twitter at KProdigy86. And thanks again for tuning in on the weekend running. Jargo. I'm at not Jargo freaking everywhere and mostly at HTM PW pod on Twitter. You, if you're listening to this, you know where to find me. Huckleberry, go ahead and close this thing out. I would say, as always, you can find me, Rick Vickery across all social media at the real RBV. I'm going to hit that again. Follow the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast on Twitter at HTM PW pod and search for hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast on Facebook. Uh, be sure to catch me and my other shows. Uh, of course, on the Hameen Media Group, that's on Mondays with Michael Jarger as we go inside the locker room. You can also catch me on Wednesdays now on One Wrestling Video. Jargo's there on Thursdays at One Wrestling with This Is NXT. Uh, and of course, each and every Friday, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, and that is available at thegorillaposition.com. For now, we are throwing up the X. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Weekend Running.
Ganzeo. 